Sanchez, so excited to have you as a guest on the International Voice. Um, as always, before I begin this episode, I'm going to share a little bit more about Richa. Uh, she graduated with a bachelor's in electronics from NIT Jamjetpur in India, after which she worked at Deloitte for six months and at Nokia for three years before making a move to the United States and pursuing her MS at uh, Virginia Tech in computer engineering. So we, we share that hokey connection. So I'm excited to, I'm always excited to actually do the session with, uh, with a fellow hokey. Um, the summer at Virginia Tech, she worked at Amazon as an intern. And right after graduation, she has been working at Amazon as a machine learning engineer. Uh, is there anything else you would like to add, Richa? I think that was a very good summary. Uh, you gave a good introduction, <laughs> like of what I did. Yeah. Nice, nice. And I'm excited um, to like uh, to just hold a session with with an alumni. So uh, would be interesting of how your ask your uh, aspect of looking at Virginia Tech was like. But let's start off with the fact that um, how you grew up in India. How was your childhood like? Was there any sort of tech inclination? Just Tell us, like, how, how, how was uh, your time in India like? So, um, okay, so I am born and brought up in a small town called Bukaru, which is in Jharkhand. Right now, Jharkhand, that time it was in Bihar. And it's like one of those areas which is very academically driven. And you and there is a steel plant, and then there you see a lot of engineers and, uh, like, all those... Uh, evergreen branch people, mechanical, electrical, civil engineers are like in your vicinity. You actually meet people who are there and they talk about what they do in the manufacturing sector. So I was very much intrigued towards the whole aspect of these branches of engineering. And then I have a cousin who graduated from uh, NIT Jamshedpur uh, back in 97. And she did her uh, engineering in computer science. And then she started talking about what computer means. And, and she used to visit us dur uh, during her time at uh, college. So she used to, like, she used to come home with this, like, this big books and talk, about, talk to us like, okay, I was doing this. We went and did this. And um, the whole concept of like uh, doing something from a program. Um, and she used to talk about like when, when I used to solve anything in mathematics, she used to say, you can do something like this. There is an algorithm. There's a concept of algorithm. And I think I got inclined to the fact that something can be automated and done. Like mathematics can be visualized so easily in a computer and with all those aspects. Some, somehow these things actually drove me towards uh, uh, engineering. And um, my father himself, he, he was working in the steel plant and he was working in uh, area of power electronics. So I, as a kid, I used to, like I, I knew what a resistance resistor looked like or what a PNP transistor, if someone is from those background, like they'll know, like they have heard these terms while reading electronics, basic electronics. And I, I have seen those things. And those, we, those used to be like really small. And then um, I and my father, I remember one day our television was not working and we just opened it up to see what's, what's there. So I think all those aspects has somehow given me a, a fascination about this field. Uh -huh. um, and I never had an idea like I want to be a software engineer or a hardware engineer, but I, I was very sure that I want to be an engineer. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think the concept in India is also very like this, that if a, like you have two kind of fields to go to either engineering or medical. Right. And I was actually driven towards engineering. So yeah, like a simple kid, like I took mathematics in my, uh, um, plus two and then uh -huh. did AIEEE. At that time, it was called AIEEE. Now it's called mm -hmm. something else. So AIEEE and JE. Right? Yeah, JE mains and J something else. Yeah. So now that time it was like there was there was a couple of different exams for different different colleges. So I took JE and then AIEEE and all those and got a decent rank in AIEEE right. and uh, got into NIT Jamshedpur and. I think um, I was getting some other colleges too, but I had this, uh, since my cousin, whom I used to adore as a kid, also graduated from the same college. I was like, okay, let me, like, if she went there, 
it must and she's doing so good in her life right uh, i should also go there and that's how i was like i went to nit and that's that's interesting because uh, it reminds me of like the common thing that we always have that cousin or a distant relative relative son or daughter that's excelling in their education and we are getting like see that kid right um we give, we're always given that example or a benchmark so that that's pretty interesting uh what about like once you started off engineering at nid jamshedpur jamshedpur uh was wh- how was your experience like was it something that you thought like engineering would be like because some people are actually completely shocked that you loved maths and sciences and then they go into engineering colleges and it's not exactly the same thing uh but how was your experience like NIT Jamshedpur I think um it was a very different experience like I I actually like you said I actually thought of an engineering college as a place where you go and you study and you do a lot of engineering kind of projects mm-hmm. and you explore your technical side and uh, then uh, do something in all those fields and then figure out what you like however NIT Jamshedpur was a bit different and uh, there were very good parts to my experience like my life at nit and there were some weird parts as well good parts i had a very good peer group like my peers were actually trying to uh, figure out themselves and figure out what they like and which area they want to be in and there were people who were like fascinated by tech area and there were people who were fascinated by non tech areas the weird part is that everyone is actually struggling <laughs> with you and uh, they are also facing certain uh, problem like they are also confused and they they confuse you more um the other thing which i think was shocking to me at nit jamshedpur is and maybe it's just nit jamshedpur i hope not other colleges the whole idea of uh, studying 3 days before your exam mm-hmm. <laughs> or doing an all nighter just to uh, pass in your exam so all those things um, like i used to think that it's a place where there are nerds and people just go and study at that time even like uh, we didn't have those video culture right youtube was not there there was no not those uh, youtube channels which used to popularize how in engineering culture is <laughs> so it was pretty shocking that yeah it's a common it's a common thing that you actually study a night before exam go and give your exam and that's done that's that's i believe like that's a common culture around like a lot of universities i would yeah. assume in india and even like i i can't really just say india but in asian culture in itself is very much like that but uh, that's that's interesting and what uh, so what happened um, like during your time at nid jamshedpur in terms of that you you ended up like at a consulting firm after engineering Uh, because that's that's a completely different move so how how did deloitte come into picture after graduation okay so um back, back then in 2012 when i like 2011 12 on my last year of uh, engineering so as i mentioned i was very confused like should i pursue tech should i pursue non tech uh, many of my friends were actually uh, preparing for their mbas and they were doing all those uh, courses for mba and preparing for cat and all not and uh, someone actually told i used to be very good at mathematics like i used to be very good at like uh, uh, logical reasoning and uh, data interpretation and someone was like why don't you try this field it seems like you are made for it i have had friends who were like you will do wonders if you become a if you go into management and uh, when our college campus happened and there were companies which used to come like there were uh, many tech companies which came and there were many non tech which came like um, new sigma deloitte companies in the consulting domain and somehow i was not able to clear any tech companies but for non tech i was able to reach to their uh, interviews and then okay. have something so i was like okay maybe that's that's what people are people what people are saying is correct and uh, deloitte the day deloitte came um it was like i cleared the written and then there was gd and then there was interviews and after all that we got the we got the news that yeah these many people are selected and i was one of them and i was like okay fine and uh, my uh, my 
father was uh, like my parents were initially skeptical because Deloitte is not something which is known to people like general people. Is it? They'll not know the name of like your parents won't know the name of Deloitte. They okay. might know they might know the name of Infosys, TCS, or Samsung. Ah, yeah, true. Yeah, because those companies are very relevant. <laughs> like they see day to day, but Deloitte was something which my parents didn't know, and they're like, "Where are you going?" And I think one of my father's senior somewhere in his office was like, do you know who manages the uh, audit auditing for the steel plant here? Deloitte does. <laughs> so my father was very proud and I was like, okay, let me try it out. So that's how I ended up at Deloitte. And uh, yeah, my stint there was very small because I realized I don't like that area. Okay. Yeah, I, I could see that. Like what's, so, so you worked at Deloitte, right? So give me, give me a thing like why as an engineer, like why, what was your like perspective or time at Deloitte, like at a consulting firm? Because a lot of people are actually intrigued as working in Deloitte and you might as well also would have interacted with a lot of software engineers in those consulting firms. Was it like, what did you consult? Did you uh, had time with other engineers as well at Deloitte or was it just analysts, like complete analysts? No, so um, what I was on that position was called business technology analyst. Okay. So a business analyst is going to be a bit different than business technology analyst. Technology analysts are those who deal with different um, technical tools. Like there are people who would program in Java mm -hmm. and still be a technical analyst. There are people who will do, so there are different, uh, so there is a thing called sales, Salesforce. Many people right. are aware of uh -huh. it. Salesforce was a tool where people used to work on Salesforce and write business logic or different kind of programming logic so that the data is computed in a faster way. Mm -hmm. and these things are done by engineers. Okay. So it's a fancy term called business technology analyst. At the end of the in the end of the day, you are still an engineering doing engineers. My uh, stand with Deloitte was small because I never envisioned myself doing that kind of work. Mm -hmm. When I, uh, I remember when I spoke to, uh, when during my interviews, I actually spoke to the interviewer and asked that I am someone who was still confused and would like to explore the technical aspects. And uh, the interviewer was very kind and was like, if you come to Deloitte, there are various non-technical and technical aspects and you get a lot of opportunities to explore both of them. Uh, however, in my case, I think things didn't just didn't work out. And I was like in three months, I, I worked in three different technologies. Okay. And I, I just didn't like the whole idea of like doing this technology or building your resume in this technology. And then, um, and plus um, the type of work, I was not enjoying it as much. So that was the reason I decided, like in three months, I decided I have to move out. And if I had, mm -hmm. and uh, um, I, I spoke to a lot of people and many people were like, uh, um, you know what? Every company is the same, like in terms of uh, uh, work culture or if you have to work so much and then you don't get, uh, you don't get rewarded so much. And I was like, okay, if every company ha is the same, then why not go for a different company, which will pay me more. Okay. <laughs> What <laughs> the efforts I am making. Right, right, right. So, uh, so I just, I, I mean, I just, like three months I decided I have to leave this company because this is not working out for me. This is not what I want to do in my life. I am not mm -hmm. sure what I want, but I am definitely sure I don't want this, this kind of work. And that, like, uh, the, the thing that you actually said that well, during your interview at Deloitte, you straight on said that this is something that I want to explore, but a lot of people are actually like, they might have heard like it's a big tech company but they just want to work at that company and that's it. They enforce it. The fact that, oh my God, it's like, it's stars and moons and it's just amazing company. And I want to work for you guys because of that. <laughs> but that's interesting that like you took the aspect like, okay, I just want to explore things. So interesting. And what, what, what happened? Like, so how was your job experience after a six month stint? Because of the fact that a lot of like, I would assume like as a recruiter, or as a hiring manager, that would be something like, why are, you, why are you moving right after six months, right? So landing a job at Nokia, was it difficult for you? How did you came across that opportunity and how did you land that job? And did you ever face that, that thing from the hiring manager or the recruiter that why are you moving up to six months? Okay, 
So um, I think I was when I gave the interviews for uh, Nokia, I was only four months old at Deloitte, and uh, um, that time Nokia Nokia was called like it was a company called Alcatel Lucent at that point of time, which Nokia overtook later in twenty fifteen. So I was a part of Alcatel Lucent. Mm-hmm. So they had a hiring drive where around 600 people were there on that day. And uh, I am someone who actually was very scared of programming. And I was going from a pro- for a programmer's job. And uh, what I did was, is um, I went there. Uh, one of my friends was working in Alcatel Lucent and I asked him like, what is the kind of job? And He's like, yeah, you, you might like it. Just go for interviews. And then the interviews in India, elections, there are so many people. They actually, you actually have a written round, then some kind of screening, and then you go to the actual interviews. You go and do the actual interviews. So yeah, I remember it was like around 600 people. We reached on that day. And then three, four, five, eight, I don't know how many rooms, rooms they actually booked. And then people gave written exam. Like there were multiple choice question exam. And then um, out of them, I think around 100 people were selected. And then there was a small screening interview. And then we had like five rounds of interviews. For, and, and no one actually, and some, and my manager, my, that time, my, the guy whose team I went into, that person asked me, why four months, why are you leaving a company in four months? And I'm like, I, I told this upfront to him that I'm, I'm not sure. Like I want to do something which is which is I have which I have read in my engineering, and I know you guys do something like that because I think I'll get to apply my skills, and I'm sure that I don't want to work in that area. So if you keep like if you give if you give me some challenging work, I'm damn sure that after four months. I would still be happy and content in your company rather than moving out to a different company. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so I think some of you, a few of my interviewers that time asked me and I gave them the same reply that this, I, I know that I don't want to do work there. I, I know that I don't want to work there. And if you don't select me, maybe next weekend, I'll be somewhere else in some other company trying to understand something else or trying to, uh, track a different interview but because I know that I don't want to be there uh, and I know this is this area of work which you guys do and which I have read about I like it and I I want to work there so yeah and my interviews went really well and I think that's because I prepared a lot like in, I realized that I have to if I have to leave I have to prepare so I prepared a lot um, I still was someone who was very uh, like I could not program a lot, but basic programming I could like just write in paper and do like not do like I can I could just write on paper and logic, mm-hmm. and then and then the best part about my interviews there were many of my programs were like just about mathematical logics, like how yeah. will you tackle this, and I could apply mathematics, mm-hmm. um, and I was selected on that. Um, yeah, and on I think I got like we had interviews for two two days, and then on the second day, like by the before I left, they told me that you are you will be like you can start in like whenever you want. So, so so, for two so, months, like, mm-hmm. so after I, two months, I worked with like Deloitte. I enjoyed my notice period, and then <laughs> I moved to Alcatel Lucent. But uh, so was it? Was that the time period where you actually, where coding journey really started? Because you you had the title of software engineer, right? So was that so where my, you actually started to gain some confidence in your coding abilities, or or like just just share that? So my coding journey actually started with Alcatel Lucent on job. Okay. On job, I like um, I remember if there are some computer science folks here, uh, and if you do any kind of like Unix coding. Um, you would understand the whole idea of opening a file in Vim. I did not know what to do that. And my system was wholly Unix based. I was like, I was hired as a developer, not even a test. I was hired as a developer. I was supposed to write programs and I, and my system was Linux based and I didn't even know how to open a file in a Linux environment. 
without and when when i talk linux it means for a person who does not know this linux is something which is totally like that linux which i was working on centos at that point of time did not support a lot of graphical user interface right and you so now we have we have a graphical user interface right yes, yes. um you had to like edit your file uh, by doing some kind of like vim is one of the editors but at that point of time it used to be like oh that's a lot and <laughs> and i actually went ahead and asked one of my friends like teach me how to do this <laughs> and he's like okay you just have to write this open the file type i it will go into insert mode you can write and trust me after that i just googled and i was like okay these are the shortcuts these are the things and now i'm like a vim pro okay <laughs> anyone in my whole vicinity i'll be like okay what do you want to do okay we'll do it in vim uh, so it's like all the things on job like uh, i started uh, when i started i was given a project and my manager was like read about it learn it's your mm-hmm. feature you have to write this you are the one who's going to take care of it anyone any client questions you are going to answer and i and i did like i started learning things and i started i actually started learning computer science on my job like i started programming i started to like operating systems is what one of the main courses in computer science and uh, i started reading com- operating system like there is this this whole big book um galvin i think yeah that was a big book which we used to read and then that's how like i and after i used to come like when i used to come uh after coming back to my, from my office to my home i used to think that okay i have to do this project today i have to at least understand how this particular thing works in programming and uh, i was not deviate like i was not deviating myself from the fact that i have to just learn one language i have to become pro in that language and once i am done i can think what should i do next mm-hmm. and my office work was in c so i started learning c and that's how like everything i started um, and i have like i can like if i remember that time i remember doing so many goof ups in my programming and i used to get so many weird comments on my code reviews uh but yeah that's how i learned like i think after a year or so i started performing really well nice so but, but that like in your whole growing period and self your peers and managers also make a huge difference for yes. consequently like answering your questions and and pushing you to just like learn the language and as well as like i can understand like where while you're going to the job and then coming back and then you need to be passionate about learning right so because because i need to keep growing and then doing projects by yourself and continuously like being on the journey is like is very difficult while on job so that's that's interesting so when did the thought process what was the story behind moving to united states what, what how when did that preparation start because you worked for 3 years and after a 3 year period at a company anybody gets like complacent and like they feel like they're earning big bucks and uh, you kind of become really comfortable right so how did that mindset like how like what was the story behind that uh, so um there were many so as you said like i had a very good peer group back in alcatel lucent uh, my seniors my uh, peers and i had many seniors who had studied back in like who in their time they studied in the us they did their masters or bachelors in the us and after a like a period of 10 12 years they came back to india and i was fascinated by the way they used to think about a problem and i was like how do you think i mean i understand there is a whole period where you gain experience to a particular topic and then you start but i could compare people with that kind of background and people without that knowledge background and i used to understand oh there is a difference between like when a person has been to a different country has faced different kind of challenges there and i think that is somehow uh, like reflected in their thought process and uh, many of my friends as well they they were preparing for uh, masters so i thought let me give it a try and uh, so 2014 is when i realized that 
I should do it. And 2014, by the end of 2014, and I thought that let's try for fall 2015, but it was too late. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then um, in 2015, I think, uh, back in 2015, uh, somewhere around January or February, I st- I thought, okay, I'm, I have to, I am actually getting a lot comfortable here and if I have to learn more, if I have to um, improve myself, maybe I should take this challenge. And um, also like I used to talk to a lot of people who were doing masters here and I tried to understand what's the difference between doing masters in India and what's the difference between doing masters in the US. Right. I have friends who have done masters in India too from very good colleges and they actually do do a good research. But the whole idea of diversity, exposure, that changes the fact like, okay, um, maybe US is something, if I can afford to go there, I should try it out and I should figure out how things work out for me. Maybe it's like at that time, that point of time, I used to think maybe it might be a very wrong decision in the future, I can like, I can feel like, okay, um, maybe it can happen that I don't even land up into a job here uh, because I'm going from a place where I'm earning a good, decent amount of salary. I'm having, um, I don't, I'm not dependent on my parents anymore, but if I move to US, I have to make sure to meet somehow I have to, uh, I should be able to meet my ends and everything. So um, I met and I like weighed pros and cons and did a- of the whole situation and I thought okay let's give it a try the best that could like the worst thing that could happen is I don't land up in a job but at least I'll have a degree right. and I come back so so when you were applying for, for universities and how was that process like how many how many rejections did you get how many acceptances did you get and how did you end it up with Virginia Tech Okay, so my, wow, God, that's, that's like a nightmare. I remember I applied for eight universities and I got admits only from two. Wow. <laughs> and I was, and my whole, I think my problem was my GRE scores were not that great. Um, I had a full mathematics score, but my verbal was like way bad. Um, that's the same so- for me. I mean, a lot <laughs> of people, it's like exactly the same thing. The engineers are good at maths and everything else is just a mess. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so, and I, I had decent, I had a good pointer back in my bachelor's too. I had a good score. I had a good um, background in, like, I had a good work experience. And I was shocked, like, how come, a, how come an institute like ABC reject me? But I got rejected. <laughs> I, I, mean, I mean, whenever you apply, you have those safe choices, those ambitious choices, uh-huh. those moderate ones. And Virginia Tech, and I got an um, admit from Stony Brook. I, I think both of them were my safe. No, no. Virginia Tech was my moderate, and Stony Brook was my safe. And I got uh, re- rejects from two or uh, more of my other safe universities. And ambitious, anyway, they rejected me. <laughs> so, oh, so yeah. I was like, the, in terms of like this, the application process is very holistic because an in international. Like when we were actually back in India, it's just about like you pass the exam and you're in the university. But over here, it's like everything is counted. Like whatever you have done outside the school matters a lot, whether you're actually leading outside or not. So I can understand your confusion and I have the same confusion back at that period of time. Yeah, that's that's interesting. So once you actually came to Virginia Tech, you over here, um, how were, were your first 30 days like? Or what did you experience at Virginia Tech? Or what kind of culture shock that you faced? Um, were things different? So uh, share, share some experience in terms of like how were your initial days at Virginia Tech like? So I remember, I, I will not classify myself as a person who's shy. I'll, I'm not. I'm not a shy person. But I was shocked that people are so direct about things. <laughs> and by direct, I mean like if, if I want an assistantship, I just go and talk to the professor and everything is sorted. Or if I want to do a project, I do, go and talk to the professor and everything is done. I'm like, how does this happen? This is something which I have not seen anywhere. Like, uh, so that was one of the sh- shocking things for me. And I, uh, I understood that, like I realized, okay, uh, this is what has to be done. If I have to like 
go for a project or go for an assistantship. I have to go and meet people. And the other thing, I think we Indians are not told to boast about yourself or brag about yourself as much or make uh, or like make yourself as a brand, present yourself as a brand. We are never taught to do that. We are that kind of people who are like, you should be humble about yourself. You should be like, you should not brag too much. But one thing I have understood, like even though people don't brag about themselves, but they'll present themselves as they are a brand. As a complete package. Yes. And that is something which I think is uh, like I started doing for myself. Um, like I started writing things on my LinkedIn how things matter. Like I never used to worry about how, what my LinkedIn says. Even right now, my LinkedIn is not updated. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah, I have seen people who used to, I, I have done so many things in my high school, but I have not written it. But I have seen people writing so many things about their high school. And I used to feel, why are they writing? But now I know, okay, they're trying to make a brand out of themselves. Like they are trying to sell themselves. And that's a good thing. If they have done something, why not show off? Mm-hmm. So that was one thing I think was a culture shock to me, but it was a good culture shock. I, I learned how to do that. Right. Interesting. So, so like, because a lot of graduate students, when they come in the first semester, the most important thing or the most important question is actually how to find the research advisor, the right research advisor. What were the struggles that you or like the roadblocks that you faced while finding your research advisor? And what would be your suggestions in terms of finding that right research advisor, what would be the things that we should take care of? Okay. So uh, first thing first, everyone should be clear about, do they want to do thesis? Do they not want to do thesis when it comes to masters? Um, Virginia Tech, like I can talk about Virginia Tech because Virginia Tech is one such school where even if you do non-thesis, you have to still go for a graduate, uh, you, you still have to go for a research uh, course mm-hmm. where you have to do some kind of research uh, and even though it's for three credits, you have to do a presentation and then you actually like get your degrees awarded based on that particular project. So uh, when I came here, at first I was like, I was not sure if I'll go for a thesis or a non-thesis. And uh, I spoke to people who were there in their second year of their master's from different, different universities, not in my universities. I like my, many of my friends were there. Many of my friends, friends were there. Like I started talking to people and I, I tried to understand what thought process they had when they selected thesis and what thought process they had when they selected non-thesis. One of my friends, she gave me a very good advice. She was like, if you are sure that you're not going for a PhD right after your master's, then maybe thesis is not a very good idea. Um, and then I was also from a non-computer science background, trying to make my way in a whole computer science area, even though my master's is in computer engineering, my courses were very computer science driven. So what I realized that I, I, I have, what I actually understood that I want to go for a non-thesis degree and, uh, I want to do all CS, like most of the CS related courses so that I learn things. Now, when it comes to figuring out the advisor. I was like in my first semester, I was a TA for one course um, back in. um, And then in the second semester, I got an opportunity to be be a research assistant in a lab called NDSSL. Right now that lab does not exist in uh, Virginia Tech. It has moved to University of Virginia. And I actually started talking to professors there, tried to understand what their problems are. Also, I started taking different, different courses in different, different areas. So when you take different courses, you get to meet different professors. You, uh, you, most of the courses in grad school are research driven. Like you have to do a research project at the end. So you also understand what the professor looks out when it comes to a completion. And you also actually meet people who are working under those professor. So did a lot of juggling and I realized Dr. Lynn Abbott from uh, the EC division, he was, he, he, he teach computer vision and uh, I realized I, I really liked his styles, his uh, way of work and uh, 
I used I started talking to his PhD, uh, like people who are pursuing PhD under him, people who have pursued or who are pursuing masters under him, um, and I st uh, go started going to their uh, paper reading uh, groups. Like paper reading group is a very good way to actually understand what a research team is doing or what the professor is inclined towards. Um, so those were the ways I figured out, okay, this might be the professor I'm looking for. Uh, his ideas and his work is really good. And I, I went there and I asked, what, is, uh, what, is, what are the projects you're working on? And is there something which I can work on, which I can help you as a grad student? And that's when my, uh, that's when I actually got a project. It was a very fun project. Um, and uh, yeah, I think third and fourth semester, I did that project. So more or less, it's like, you should be on a lookout of, like ask your seniors, reach out to seniors, especially the seniors who are still in the school and ask why, uh, what are the pros and cons of being a research student under this professor, under your professor? Because a student, a person who's actually has a research advisor would know the both pros and cons of that professor. And for some people, it actually works out. Like, um, like there are professors who, who are not very famous for being a research advisor. And many people know it. But there are still some students who are working under those professors. And when you talk to them, you realize, okay, these are the pros and cons. And actually those pros for that person outweighs the cons. Right. And they like them. So what I feel is uh, every professor has their own ways and every student has a different experience about different things. So talking to professors, talking to uh, students under working under those professors, going to the research reading groups, paper reading groups, um, they actually, it actually helps you. Even taking courses for, of those professors, it actually helps you to, to figure create a dialogue, out. right? Uh, yes. to have a conversation was, with them. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, some professors are very stubborn. You might not like it. Some professors are very stubborn and you might like that because they are actually motivating you to work more. So, you know, like as a person, you would know what kind of a person you are, what motivates you more. And uh, you should like, yeah. I would say talking and communicating is the key towards finding a research advisor. Right. So just to sum it all, like just trying to find your seniors, connecting with your seniors, getting to know what their perspectives are in different labs, whatever seniors working and uh, trying to see if the personalities really match. So that's, that's the most important thing because you're not going to be motivated if your personalities don't really match. Right? You wouldn't want to work for that person. So yeah. that, that it's like, that's, that's, that, those are some useful tips. Um, thanks a lot for sharing that, uh, Richa. Um, so let's, let's come to the, the, the internship recruiting season because that must be a daunting task for you as uh, that must be like first a career fair for you like uh, because that's not a common thing in India right how, how was that experience like um, how did you ended up landing a, landing your internship at Amazon and well, what, what what failures were like uh, what did you did you uh, got offers from all the good big tech companies or was it only Amazon Please share that because a lot of people don't really know that there are a lot of hurdles and a lot of uh, failures that you face as well. So uh, please share about that as well. Okay. I think one thing which everyone should be, uh, should take a note of is go to each and every career fair. No matter which senior tells you that, okay, don't go to the uh, fall career fair because that's not for interns. Don't listen to them. Go to each and every career fair. Um, in my experience, I, I, I'm not a very good person with that. Like I, I come, uh, so in India, when I started, like when I gave my GRE and I realized that now I have some time where I can study, I actually started sharpening my coding skills. So I think I was done with my GRE and applications in December. Uh, December 2015 and then in 2016 from 2016 January onwards I started coding I started doing the pro like proper uh, lead code kind of coding uh, where you actually prepare for uh, job interviews and I on weekends I started going to like it started to go out and give interviews so I could understand what question people ask 
Um, so that way, what I did is I actually got some offers. I actually got an offer from Amazon India back then, which I rejected saying that I'm coming, I'm, I'm going to pursue my master's and uh, whatever. But yeah, one thing which I felt is the most required aspect of uh, getting in a good internship is um, when I came here, I know that I have to apply for a CS area kind of a company and not a hardware related company. So I knew which companies I'm going to target. And in Google Keep, um, I and some of my friends, we started making notes of which companies we are going to apply. And every night we used to sit and put our resumes and uh, like put our internship application there in that company. Like at least five companies every day we used to just like, and we used to gather new companies names, like which companies there, what company, even though the company says we are not hiring interns, we used to just, uh, and when did this start happening? Uh, was it like the fall semester? Yeah. I, so, I okay. reached 2016, uh, July, August was when our classes started. And from August itself, I started, uh, we started doing that. And in, uh, September, what happened is like, I had my career fair and to my surprise, like I was very sure Cisco would call me. I have worked in the same area which Cisco has worked in and the general career fair, I go to Cisco, Cisco does not even look, take a look at my resume. They'll be like, okay, okay, bye. That's what they did. <laughs> I was in line for Google, Facebook, Amazon, nothing happened. We, they just took our resumes, that's it. Um, and, but then what happened, EC at that point, that year EC also did another career fair just for EC and not a general career fair. And we went there and Cisco actually took my resume there and called me for an interview. Um, also like Bloomberg, Bloomberg called me for an interview to Bloomberg. Uh, Bloomberg is that company which actually takes a small interview in the career fair itself. And then if you pass that interview, it, it gives you a coding problem. And if you are able to solve that problem, it will give you an interview call. It, it will ask you to come for an interview. So for me, I got calls from Bloomberg and Cisco. And uh, after that, since I was applying, I actually got calls from many other companies. Cisco was one such surprise. I got into Cisco. I got the internship offer. Bloomberg took my two hours interview and it didn't give me an offer. And on the other hand, Cisco didn't even take a technical interview for me. Cisco just asked me what I did and just a normal HR kind of an interview or talk. And I got the offer. Bloomberg took like two hours interview and talked about a lot of technical things. And I actually was very happy about my Bloomberg interview and I didn't get through. Um, I had an interview with Facebook, didn't get through. Uh, Google, didn't get through. Amazon. I was pretty sure I'm not going to get into Amazon. Amazon interview was really good. Uh, it was a phone interview, two questions, general uh, talk about what I did in the past and I got the, uh, I got the offer. Well, so, there wasn't any technical interview at Amazon? No, there were two questions, two coding questions. Okay. Talk, that's it. And then I was done and I got the offer. So it's not like I got offer from each and every company, but one thing was common that I was somewhere able, I, I knew where, where I got into a company when I, like I knew how my interview was going because somehow I was prepared with my whole code coding background all the software companies, they look for a good programmer and I was sharpening my skill, my programming skills from a long time. So I think that helped me. Um, even though I bombed my other companies, like Microsoft also, I bombed, I bombed Microsoft, Facebook, Google, many other companies I bombed. Um, uh, and then thankfully I got an offer from Amazon. And then when I got an offer from Amazon, I told Cisco, I don't want to do your internship with you. I want to go. So, so during that process, like, can you explain, like, because a lot of students actually face that first hurdle itself to get the interview. What were the things that, what, what were your suggestions personally to even get into big tech? Like getting an interview at big tech is also very, very difficult. What, what do you think worked for you uh, apart from your experience or also like, what are your suggestions for somebody who doesn't have an experience back in India? Yeah. So one thing is make sure you have your resume in a particular format. BT has a very good um, career, uh, like a, 
what to say, a division which actually handles the whole concept. Like you can go and go go for your career grooming. You can ask for different advice. Uh, get your resume reviewed. Your resume is the key. Don't get disheartened. Just keep on applying to different different companies. Um, and reaching out to people on LinkedIn is very important. I have, uh, you'll have seniors who might have worked in a different company. You might have uh, VT alumni network is very strong. Reach right. out to people from VT. Uh, even though if they are VP, they'll see their messages on LinkedIn. You can just send them a very good, generous message saying that, hi, I am uh, so-and-so and I am uh, in my first year or second year or whatever, and I am doing this and I'm interested in work. You can even ask them, like, I want to do a simple informational call with you. And people respond and like the worst case that could happen is people will say, okay, I don't want to do that. But in general, people which, don't which do normally it. Normally people don't really say. Yeah. yeah. So uh, reach out to people, uh, talk to them, tell, sell yourself to them, tell, tell them that, yeah, I have done this. Uh, even though I don't have a background or even though I don't have a coding background I, or even though I don't have a working experience, I still have done some research. Mm -hmm. I still am doing these kind of projects. These are the courses I'm taking. Um, so everyone knows if you're doing your master's in any college in the US, um, most of the courses are so taxing that it actually makes you learn the things which you're working, like which you're working on. So um, if you even tell them that, yeah, I'm taking a course like operating system, data structures and algorithm, people will be like, yeah, yeah, okay, fine. Um, they'll at least help you to reach out to the recruiter of a company. Um, mm -hmm. As I also mentioned, like, I remember I had a list of 100 companies and I used to go and like, I think if I was very adamant, like I was very stubborn, okay, I, I'll apply whatever this company's uh, page is saying that they're not hiring into, they'll still apply. Maybe my resume will get into their database and someday someone will look at it and will be like, okay, let's give her an interview call. So be persistent. Uh, be really stubborn about the fact that uh, it's your career. You have to drive it. You have to reach out to people. Don't get disheartened. You should not. Um, there are low times when you're like, okay, I'm doing so many things and I'm not getting an interview call. But that's something which is very normal. Many people have got it. And, and, don't right and and what are you uh, so like when i came over here in itself i felt like referrals are also very important but it's also very important to actually establish a relationship with somebody before you can ask for a referral uh, what 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 are your suggestions in terms of referrals or how students should be really like building that bond with that with, with some alumni at a particular company and then getting to a stage that they'll ask you what would you like to do? Is there something I can help you with? And then you can probably go ahead and do the referrals, right? So what are your suggestions for students uh, regarding referrals as well at these so, big tech companies? Yeah, so referrals, I think, uh, as I said, like if you reach out to any alumni and if you are very hesitant, like how do I go and ask that alumni for a referral? Just ask that, can we schedule a call? Um, that's one thing. In my opinion, I have hardly seen people like there is a thing called referral bonus for a matter because mm -hmm. every company offers referral bonus for the fact that you should refer people. Right. So I'm very sure uh, that if you go to a person and say that, please refer me to your company, uh, no one will reply saying that, okay, I won't. One thing which as a student you can do is at least try to get a referral ID or a referral job which you're looking for because as engineers in com different companies, they'll not have time to actually look for the job, which might suit you. That's not their job. That's the job of a recruiter. So um, I would say research on what position you are interested in, and then just send out a very good mail introducing yourself or just send out a message on LinkedIn introducing yourself that what you are doing and uh, what you are doing, what courses you are taking and then yeah, reach out to people and they'll definitely refer you. Interesting. Um, I think we are actually going on board on the, on the time, uh, going over the time, but it was a great discussion with you, uh, Richa. Uh, so I'd love to bring you back sometime again. 
But um, <laughs> before wrapping up this session, I wanted to ask like one question. Um, during throughout your this journey, right? Who um, is there any um, because our our sense of uh, abilities or our growth is always like there is there is at least like some kind of quote or uh, some sign of learning that we learn from some of our relative or parents or somebody very close to us has there been uh, can can you share like that that one person who or one learning from that person that has stuck on with you throughout these years uh, like throughout your journey uh, like what 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 was that what uh, is there any story behind that okay so one one of my uh, managers back in india told me this thing and this applies to a work uh, environment that you cannot so there are three factors which keep you in a company money management like leadership and your peers you can only like you can only be like there can be many factors which like you can only be dissatisfied by one of them if there are two of the factors by which you're like okay you're not happy with some of those two factors that means it's time to leave that particular place leave that particular company so i think that has stuck to me like now i know uh, when i have to leave a situation you can be very determined and you can be very happy and you can always try to give your best in a certain scenario but situations can be like that that things might not work out at all so try to assess and do a swot analysis do a pros and cons list and see if these three things money peer and management if two out of three of those things two out of three or almost everything is not working out for you then it's time to leave that's amazing um thanks a lot for sharing richa are there any ending notes that you would like to give or, or share with all the international students today yeah um i would like to say that never quantify yourself never like even though i'm telling you like make a brand but never quantify or like in a way that never compare yourself with anyone don't do it uh, everyone will have their own experiences everyone will have their own learnings i am trying to learn myself as well that i should not be comparing myself with someone who's uh in a different boat because their experiences and learning is something which i have not had and they have not had my experiences and learning so yeah make sure to do that make sure and to make, take a note every day like you don't have to compare yourself with anyone else interesting that's amazing uh, thanks a lot for an amazing session richa and thanks a lot for sharing your time with us today and uh, i'll be linking uh, richa's uh, linkedin to in the description box and um, please reach out to her please uh, send her a personal invite and uh, what you liked about the session what are you, what are your takeaways from the session and uh, make sure to send a personal invite not just a connect so she actually knows that you attended the session and you were there and uh, she can connect with you and you can actually create a bond or create a relationship with uh, with somebody at uh, at a big tech so amazing uh, thank you so much richard richard thank you so much for doing that thank you thank you